0: The Silly Goose Gang Podcast.
1: Okay, and we're back in episode seventy-nine of the Silly Goose Gang Podcast, and we're joined today by Brady Pisola from the Grey Man Project. So Brady, thanks very much for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate you.
2: Um, this is uh, one of the, the podcasts that came about um, purely by the wonder of social media, um, just on the post and you'd commented on it and we went, yeah, it'd be cool, let's, let's jump into that. So um, yeah, sometimes Instagram could be fantastic instead of just uh, uh, being negative. This is one of the the positive interactions we've had, so um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I like the way these things come about sometimes, you know, just this social media thing is quite
0: cool. So, Social media is an interesting, is an interesting cat. Um, these days, it seems like social media kind of runs our society. Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, people's opinions are uh, very out there now these days. Uh, and it looks mm-hmm. like if you look at the news stories and stuff like that, social media influences uh, the way the media uh, goes and, and the way um, there's, there's a lot of influence and pressure. Uh, from people these days on social media. So it's interesting. So it's always good to see folks like you guys out there uh doing wonderful podcasts and having great people on there. So I mentioned this before guys. I appreciate you having me. Uh me on despite some of the big names that you guys had on, you know, uh um so thank you again. I'm excited to sit here and talk with you guys and listen to those wonderful accents that you guys have.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um yeah well you know we've been uh incredibly lucky. Um, you know, just, you know, talking about some of the guys, you know, you've been able to reach out to Jack Carr after they've been on Joe Rogan last time. And it's just, you know, message back going, you know, it was a really good podcast. I don't know if you listened to that one, it was a really good podcast. And it's, you know, you message um, Jack and say, a really good podcast, you make a lot of good points. And, you know, he still replies back and goes, yeah, thanks, man, it was a great conversation. And you just think, life is strange. <laughs> it was super strange. Um, it's certainly been, certainly
1: been an interesting ride over the last couple of years. Definitely been an interesting couple of, couple of years. How's things been with you out in San Diego, right?
0: San Diego, it's, it's beautiful. Um, it's definitely interesting in California. Uh, the way people um, have reacted in the last couple of years has been uh, an experiment in, in social behavior and, and watching people and, and how they react um, uh, emotionally um, to... To the things that have been going on, the pandemic and um, uh, the way the politics are, and and the way the 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 news and media and entertainment, you know, has addressed this uh, issue in the last couple of years. You know, I, I do executive protection and I, I protect a, a fair number of, of different people, and so during the pandemic, I was fortunate enough to to still be uh, serving a, a purpose um, when when many people were were not working and and trying to figure out. Um, what it is that they were going to do to to try and pay bills and things like that you know when when so many people were told hey you can't come into work anymore or you're and imagine uh, you know what was interesting is people being labeled non-essential that's a hell of a thing to be told mm-hmm. you know when when you wake up every morning and and, and people in our society are, are always looking for a purpose they're always looking to feel a way that their that their existence means something that it has meaning and so when you're told that you're existence is not essential to the contribution of of our society uh and it's a hell of a thing you know to wake up and, and hear that you know and and you just sit there in your house i mean for some people for two years wondering if 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 they'll ever go back to normal if they'll catch this uh, dreadful disease or if they'll um you know be able to pay bills and and spend hell of emotional roller coaster for people and I started the Gray Man Project uh, around, um, just beginning of the pandemic, because I wanted to bring, I, you know, when, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was all fun and games, right? It was like, uh, uh, we, we were running out of toilet paper and Tiger King was on, right? It seemed kind of like a novelty kind of thing. Yeah, you know, so I can't wipe my ass, but at least I got to watch White Tiger King, you know? So um, so when I, I started to think to myself, it's like all these people are out there they don't have basic supplies, and as you know, there's there's communities out there like the prepper communities and survival communities that that you know practice self-reliance and to be prepared for uh, catastrophes that happen. And I thought to myself, you know, that's that's a very niche community. You see it on on Instagram. Instagram is mm-hmm. is one of the biggest places you see everyone post flat lay pictures and their cool little shelters outdoors and their you know fancied. It, all the pictures look like, you know, advertisements for LL Bean and Canvas and shit like that. So, um, but the thing is, is is people just, self-reliance is such a far off idea. And I think people, when they hear self-reliance and preparedness, they tend to let their mind wander into political agendas. And and and, and it's, it's a niche for certain political sides here in the United States. So I wanted to bring self-reliance um, in a more edible, Format that people can eat and go. Hey, this is agenda free, political free. You should be self reliant. You should have certain things for yourself um, to help you get by. The basic necessities of, of hygiene, of food, um, you know, water, uh, things like that. It goes above above and beyond. You know, the whole you know. We have the doomsday prepper community, and and these guys just they're they store. All this ammo and food, you know, and stuff like that. And I'm going to make fun of them later on uh, in the podcast because there's certain quirks and things like that I love calling out the the prepper community for, especially being overweight. I like to fat shame them a lot, um, and, be, and 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 I know people are like it's going to fat shame. No, here's the thing. You, you, I'll just dive into it. How the how the hell do you you know? I see these big preppers these news day preppers they are big guys big massive guys consuming you know anywhere between six to ten thousand calories a day and when they store food they calculate food for two thousand calories a day how the fuck do you think you're going to go from ten thousand calorie a day diet to a survival situation in two thousand calories a day <laughs> hey that's going to that's going to make you angry like when we get hungry i turn into a different person my wife recognizes Mm. it uh and as soon as she sees my mood change a little bit she's got a plate of food in front of my face and i'm humming like a fat kid eating and going i'm I'm happy now um but it it it, it, it's really kind of crazy to see you know that these folks have these weird ideas of what preparedness and 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 self-reliance is and they tend to think it's a bunch of you know Right wing rednecks over in the woods wearing camo and shooting machine guns coming out of the government when really self-reliance is just anything from domestic self-reliance, you know, um, wilderness self-reliance, emotional self-reliance. Why are these things conceptualized for just one side of a political spectrum when it doesn't have any political at all? You know, I my wife is half Vietnamese and my my mother-in-law is from Vietnam they are low-key preppers when people come from certain poor countries man they store and stack and hoard everything i asked my wife i said we got toilet paper and she goes did you really ask that question she's like costco five days ago because the sale was going on you're like it was so it was like all right we're good and then watching people react to the pandemic uh and i I went out and explored and I, i wanted to see the world firsthand other than what was you know shown on social media and shown on tv and and people really just fearful and scared and of course it's a natural feeling you fear the unknown and it was unknown what this was what 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 harm it could do you know was it ebola was it you know something is it the flu you know and i and everyone in our society now has become so polarized that one side really mitigates the idea of what it is and and people on the other side overblow what it is. the truth is somewhere in the middle, you know? Um, And that's where, in the middle is where rationality is. In the middle is where logic is. And I think too many people on one side are too emotional or or too one way or the other. And I think we need to start looking at a society and start valuing a rational um, approach to things more than an, an emotional approach to things.
1: Definitely. It's interesting you are talking about that kind of the two sides of everything there Brady because we've seen it even pre-Covid we've had it in the UK for probably seven years, eight years because we kind of went through Scottish independence where there was an independence vote. Should Scotland be independent? Split? Yes, no. Nothing in the middle. We then had Brexit so Britain was leaving the European Union. Yes or no. Nothing in the middle. Rolled straight out of that straight into Covid. You know, yes or no. And then now I suppose the next thing we're rolling into is this
2: World War Three. World War III.
1: Yes or no. <laughs> That's kind of where it seems to be going. So we've, I feel in Scotland, we're almost ahead of the curve with this split of, you can't be in the grey area. I know you're ironically, your project being called the Grey Man Project, but you almost can't be in the grey area now because you're not allowed to sit there. You have to pick a side. Um, and, and it almost becomes the default if you don't pick a side people instinctively think, well, that means you're with them, whoever the them is, as opposed to acknowledging that, well, no, I can be in the gray area. And sometimes I like what that person's saying and a little bit of that person And in an ideal world, take a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And and you've got what you want to work with.
0: Unfortunately, society, there's this false dichotomy, like you said, that if you're, if you're not for one side, you're against the other and that's not the case you can't it, it, it's it's people are so beholden to loyalty political loyalty or or ideological loyalty that they refuse to see that there are parts that are good and parts are bad and we should take the good parts bring it together here in the center and then separate out the the bad parts and unfortunately people's morality is based off their their um emotional positions, you know, and they start painting other people and expecting other people to act as they feel. And that's not logical, you can't expect that of people. And unfortunately, uh, our society has gotten to the point that if you don't agree with somebody or you're off base on something, that they feel they have license to to shame you, to hurt you economically, socially, or or, or physically, even if we look at the politics here in the United States. People, if if you step outside uh, of what you are expected to believe in, you know whether you're you're straight, you're gay, you're white, you're black, you're you you're this gender, that gender. If you don't agree or align if with what you're expected to believe in based off your your identity you're immediately ostracized uh, and shamed and people tend to find license to to do that to you and they agree with it even though that their own agenda themselves uh, are inherently against that. And so it's unfortunate that people's uh, emotions become so um, hardened that they don't see the injustice uh, in their actions and then turn around and and claim claim victim when it's turned around on them, unfortunately. (laughs) And so you know, with stoicism, um, you know, the gray man project, I started off with you know, um, using soft skills that we use in executive protection, you know, situational awareness, uh, verbal de-escalation, surveillance, uh, human behavioral pattern analysis, things like that. But the more I got in a gray man, the more I realized that a gray man is someone that you know, they wanna blend in. And that's not just uh, clothing, that's, that's, um, that's behavior. As well and not blending in you know in a sense of okay there's this group and i want to blend in with this group that's more you know along the lines of someone who's law enforcement or 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 in an in intelligence um you know field but more blending in is in is in is along the lines of of curtailing your behavior your public behavior when you're out in public with people um not losing your shit on the barista when they get your order wrong and causing attention to yourself because someone's like, Ooh, I didn't get a soy latte. Oh. you know, when someone loses their mind like that, you become visible in public and you open yourself up, um, uh, uh to, to potential dangers and things like that. Um, so. I think with stoicism, I saw a, um, I saw an opportunity to take philosophy, a 25-year-old philosophy and integrate it in with, with the tactical side of things. And, and a lot of people say, well, you're taking a philosophy and, 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 and make it warmongering or violent. That's not the case at all. In fact, much of what I teach is about soft skills and not about the ability, uh, you know, because there's a tactical meaning, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, shooting, all this stuff, right? It's all, it's all skills designed to apply kinetic force. Right, the idea of the gray man and the soft skills is to prevent one's uh, hand at having to apply kinetic force. It's ability ability to choose when to engage and disengage using reason um, rather than emotion to be able to make a logical decision uh, where you achieve the most desired outcome. Right, and I believe stoicism allows uh, a person to uh, use a different part of a brain, you know, when someone. When we get angry, that's a limbic response system. You know, our amygdala is responsible for for quick reaction to something, but our cerebral cortex is responsible for higher rational, cognitive thought. And so, in Stoicism, they talk about taking a pause. You know, whether you in the tactical community call it a tactical pause, or just a, a pause itself of mindfulness, going, "Ooh, I'm feeling a certain way, and this is what I'm about to do under the influence." of the feeling I have. And is the outcome gonna be what I want or is the outcome gonna hurt me even further? Uh, so I wanna bring stoicism in and in, in, in provide it towards a tactical community, the uh, martial arts community, the veteran community. And believe it or not, how many uh, military veterans think like a stoic? Um, they don't realize like we when we're, we're in, in the military, you know, you're in combat, you're going after you're causing hate and discontent. Your buddy takes one, you get down. There's no time for, Oh my God, man, I'm so, you know, losing your mind. It's Oh shit. Okay. You got shot in the arm. Let's apply a tourniquet doc, get over here. Let's go cover your buddy and return fire. Right. Or if he dies right there, you don't have time to mourn. You're prioritizing your emotions and people have this weird idea of what stoic means. They, there's this, this notional, this, this uh, oversimplified term of, well, oh, he's emotionless, so he's stoic. Stoicism has nothing to do with suppression of emotion, nothing to do with it. It's, it's everything about prioritization of emotion. It's recognition of emotion as it's happening, which most people uh, have a problem recognizing. People get angry, they become blind, they're ready to do something. You know, what if we started teaching people to sit there and recognize, oh, I'm angry. Why am I angry? Do I need to be angry? No, I don't. It's the ability to fight through that, that, that emotion and make rational decision making off it's, 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 it's almost awakening yourself in the middle of, of that emotional experience.
2: I think um, this is why jujitsu is very good for um, decision making. Um, you know we both we're both uh, jiu-jitsu guys, so um, you know if you make a, a, an angry decision when you're rolling. Yeah, you you're gonna to go to sleep. So um yeah, you have to you know <laughs> you know it's true, you know. you know, you know, if you're doing MMA or, or you're boxing or, or Muay Thai or something, if you make a um you make a snap decision based on you just got clipped your and you're hot, you're gonna have some issues because that you can't deal with it that way. You have to you know take a step back, big deep breath, okay, and let's get back at this and, and figure it out. So I um, wonder how much of, uh, I guess not with the, the, the military guys, but I wonder how much of that is just because on a day-to-day basis, people don't do difficult shit. Life has become, um, you know, far too easy, you know, far, far too easy. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I think, like you're saying, you know, the, the guy who gets upset because he doesn't get the, the correct coffee from Starbucks and um he doesn't get a double spiced pumpkin latte whatever it is and you know those guys you get upset is, is that really an issue you know have some black coffee and shut the fuck up like it's not a problem like <laughs> do you know so um I, I the military guys would be interesting i don't know you know whether that's some um well maybe you could tell us like you know is that maybe a ptsd thing from being on deployment or you know does that have its own thing and compared to the, the average guy do you think
0: well you know ptsd is, is a whole different issue um and, and PTSD, and i want to be clear ptsd isn't just experienced by military guys there's a lot of people out there that have experienced uh, messed up things in the past life uh, it, it's it's called post-traumatic stress disorder um you know we we hear a term and we have an idea in our head but when we actually listen it's like listening to a lyrics of a song, right? We sing along a song, but if you really listen to the lyrics of a song, you're like, oh, wow, this, this means something. The same with PTSD. We, it's, it's it's such an overused term nowadays and people go, I got rear-ended by a car today and now I have PTSD for the next five years. You know, it's, it, people have oversimplified it and overused it and and there's a lot of veterans, I, I do believe, uh, suffer PTSD. And then there's things I think uh, veterans that want to be identified as suffering from ptsd because you know in our society we live in the woe is me um type of 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 atmosphere and social media where people can get sympathy for for things that have nothing to do with them um i've met a lot of a lot of bros of ptsd and, and they all explain to me it's kind of like a an overexposure of film right you remember the old back in the day you know you'd take a, We're old enough to know that you used to actually have to like crank a film whatever you know it's overexposed and that's that's what ptsd you know is it's overexposure or something that's imprinted in in your mind you know it's kind of explained like this is um i call it warrior blue balls and i'll explain right so think of it like this. Um, and for those who, who, who want to understand this is, this is one way of looking at, it. there's uh, tons of different ways. I'm not a doctor by any means. I'm a cranny Marine. So forgive me for, for breaking it down like this. I'm not a scientist. I'm not perceived with PCHD or a doctor. Um, I look at it like this, right? There's certain MOSs in the military, right? That, that we all train. We all train, uh, it's called muscle memory, but it's an oversimplification of what's called procedural memory which is just repetition, repetition, repetition till it becomes second nature in you, right? Well, your second nature is in your uh, implicit memory and it's just an installation of, okay, I do this now. This is something I do second nature. It's kind of like when you're driving down the road and you're going to work every day, right? You go the same route to work every day. And all of a sudden you're like, ooh, squirrel. You start daydreaming. Meanwhile, your body's taking over and you're going left, you're going right. You're using your blinker, You're taking a left, you're taking a turn. You're flipping somebody off. You keep on going, whatever it is. And all of a sudden you snap on, you wake up and you're like, whoa, I'm at work. How the hell did that happen? It's because procedural memory took over, implicit memory took over. So in the military, we are taught so many things from procedural memory over and over and over and over, repetition, repetition, repetition. We're speaking of a rifle, sight alignment, side picture, trigger squeeze, uh, stance, all that good stuff. Now you look at somebody maybe who does convoy security. Convoy Securities guys, you know, in vehicles and they're driving to convoys in the middle of a hot zone. You're going through a combat zone. And we're taught that, you know, in the military, that something on the side of the road, that cat, bag of garbage, could be what? An IED, right? Something to blow us up. So now imprinted in your brain, anywhere you go down that road, you see something. You have created a baseline of your environment. And that baseline is there's trash everywhere down the road. And we've been told that okay that is a potential IED it's a bomb you're driving down the road and all of a sudden one goes off one day and that that uh that instance imprints on your memory what happened the sights the sounds the smells things like that and you remember oh that was a bag on the side of the road okay and then you go down another day later and another one blows up or this blows up or that blows up and you do seven months of that um and and it starts to imprint on your brain that every piece of trash is a potential hazard for you so fast forward maybe you're later in back in the rear you're here in san diego driving on the five down the road um and and you do what we talked about you start daydreaming your mind took over the um your basic skills of driving took over, right? Your, your procedural memory took over, implicit memory took over. You're driving another road subconscious going on, and your mind is looking for wise. Mind is looking for a vehicle in front of you, slowing down, braking. Meanwhile, you're daydreaming the whole time. And then all of a sudden, your mind picks up a bag on the side of the road. Your mind doesn't know where you're at. As far as you know, your mind is just somewhere. It could be in San Diego or in combat or whatever. So your mind picks up that bag on the side of the road, and all of a sudden, it starts doing what? It starts pumping your blood full of your body full of adrenaline. It says that's a danger, and we need to start reacting according to the danger. So your body gets in that warrior fight mode. All of a sudden, you snap out of it. Snap out of it. You're stopped on the i five somewhere in San Diego, and you're staring at a bag, and your whole body, your whole mind is ready for a. Fucking fight but there is no fight to be had right your mm. body's full of adrenaline you got all this energy you got all this angst you're ready for a fight you're ready to escape you're ready to you know fight flight or freeze you are just you're there you got aggressiveness ready to go you got you got your body ready to go your body has taken all blood from extremities to put towards the organs everything is ready to go ready for a fight, but there's no fight to be had. So I call it warrior blue balls. And that would be an example of PTSD. Now, it's not something I have a personal experience myself. I'm relaying what I've been told by others and from my studies uh, in the mind itself. Um, But that's an example, right? And so, you know, when you're asking about when people get angry, PTSD is their higher irritability, right? Uh, People uh, the reason why there's a higher irritability is because you know your mind is always full of these different thoughts throughout the day, right? Something pisses you off and it stays with you all day long. It stays with you all day long. So if something's bothering you and someone says something offhanded, what do you do? Ah, output boom. You know, you take it out on somebody. Do they deserve that? No, not at all, not at all. And that's where we need to look at stoicism as as a, as a helpful tool to say oh, I'm angry. I'm in it today. I'm, I'm feeling a certain way today. Maybe I need to sit home today and relax. Or maybe I need to recognize what's happening right now and be able to relax so I don't take it out with somebody. So I don't do something under the influence of emotion.
2: That's um, a, a fantastic way um, how you were describing PTSD there. So I've never heard it been put so well. It's a very, very interesting way to put it. So,
1: yeah, it does. And, and yeah. it, it makes sense because my granddad was a Royal Marines commando in World War II. Spent basically, basically the whole of the war fighting. He spent five months behind enemy lines in Holland. Basically parachuted him in to oversee Nazi troop movements and told him an RV to get back to. And by the time he got back to the RV... The Nazis had advanced, and it was back behind enemy lines, so they couldn't get him out. So he just had to keep going back to the RV point every couple of days with a long-range radio, saying, "Can you come and pick me up now?" But because he spent that time obviously under severe combat, you know, World War II kind of level combat, I remember him telling me when I was younger, when he got back to the UK, like post-war demobbed out, he would be walking down the high street, and if uh, obviously you're talking 1950s car, so when a car backfired his instinct was immediately to dive to the ground, no matter where he was, what he was doing, because for the last four or five years, every time there was a, a, a bang, it was incoming. So whenever, like he would be in his Sunday best going to church in the car, and he would just hit the deck before, like, as you say, that instinct, no thought process. He would come to with top down head over hands because he had that built into him from four or five years worth of Income in, bang, hit the deck to avoid shrapnel. And his brain couldn't process quickly enough that actually it's just a car backfiring on the street, we're safe. As you were saying there, Brady, he went straight to the, this is danger, get down and out of the, out of the arc of fire. And, he, and for years he had that. He said he had it for probably 10, 15 years. Every time something, you know, a loud door would bang and he would instinctively flinch and make himself smaller because... I'm probably looking back he had ptsd or shell shock as they used to call it back in the day um because of the experience but it was very just when you were relating that story i thought that's exactly kind of what my grandpa said his brain just made him you know he would literally almost like you were saying snap back at rally and think why am i laid on the floor and now my shirt entire weight wet because i've just dived straight into a puddle and he couldn't stop himself doing it for for 10 15 years until he finally it's something in his brain obviously switched it or something but he stopped doing it but it was literally a decade and a half after the event he was still doing it which is it was just crazy to think that's how long it can it can impact people
0: it certainly can and much more respect to your to your grandpa oh my god that's probably a hard dick son of a gun man um just I mean to to fight in a war. <laughs> back day and royal much respect to royal marines i'm a marine but not a royal marine this guy's got my utmost respect go through some shit um but yeah you know and so the thing is is people don't realize this is how much the mind by the average person is understudied. you know we got guys with phds and 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 doctors and their names um but the average person i think ignores such an important organ or mind. Our consciousness exists in the same organ that we don't study. We don't study ourselves. I mean, you think of it, look at it. And I know this is going to get in some, some far off, like, yeah, man, that's like some cool stuff, you know, but I mean, think it, you know, who we are as a person, the you, the self. consciousness and and whether it's it's consciousness exists uh from a higher power or as a side effect of 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 the operation of the brain Mm. we don't study ourselves and who we are and so and and i would think most people would find so much use and therapy and help in studying their own minds it's just it's such a complicated issue uh, and, the, and the subconscious doesn't know where you're at. You know, when your grandpa hears a bang, the mind doesn't, the subconscious, the, the uh, hippocampus and, and the amygdala doesn't know where it's at. Just hears a sound, instantaneous reaction. And the amygdala is responsible for that output. That's, it's, it's, it's responsible for that. And so it takes a second. There's two routes, um, you know, from stimulus to reaction that people tend to take when they react to something. Uh, There's a short route and a logic route. Um, I call the long route, the logic route. Um, So (laughs) basically it's stimulus. And then there's a short path from stimulus to the amygdala. So for instance, um, we're all three of us are trained guys. When someone comes behind you and jolts you, what's the first stance you get into? You get no fight stance, right? This is a trained stance. Your fist is up. Your arm is out, your block, you're ready to go into it. That like is jab, back, strike, right? That's, the, that's a quick, instantaneous response. So if if you spent years in combat, you know, and you hear a shot like your grandpa did, stimulus, reaction, boom. The long route still processing. The long route goes through the sensory cortex, eyes, hearing, all that good stuff, the senses. Uh, then it goes through the hippocampus and, and thalamus and, and and then it goes through the amygdala. That logic route goes through and goes, Oh, well, that was a backfire by Oh, okay. Oh, I'm in a puddle. Holy shit! All right. Well, that wasn't very good, right? So it takes a second. So depending on who you are, and the severity mm-hmm. of the trauma that you've you've uh, you've experienced, is going to depend on how quickly you come to and able to take that pause and go. Oh, so when someone scares us, you know, jolts us, we get into that that fighting stance. But then that long route's going and going. Oh, it's my buddy. Well, I could still get away with. Him up? No, nah, we're not going to. Right? That's that's still that's still the, the short route and long route, you know. And so, with a, the more that we understand our minds, the more we begin to really understand the operation and be able to really start affecting ourselves. Well, I, and I think the more we study um, our own minds and research, the less dependent on opiates and, and medications, and that. people have become especially in the military community you know guys just they i have anxiety i have a depression and the doctor's like oh okay here's some pills see you next week let's see and the and the and the 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 side effects of these pills to treat uh depression anxiety is worsened anxiety and worsened depression um how does that make any sense you know, and so, and, and the average American who experiences anxiety these days, and they say a lot more Americans experience anxiety and depression more than ever. And I tend to agree with that because we are exposed to so much more information that's negative, that's shitty. Um, our environment or our everyday environment around us is, is inherently hostile towards our minds and towards our bodies. And so people tend to take pills to try and relieve it, and it's easy human beings take the path of least resistance. So if someone can take a pill or drink a bottle of alcohol to help calm the noise in their head, they'll do that a lot quicker than they will go to the gym or pick out eat, uh, foods that are healthy or go train or go do something, right? And so because humans are inherently lazy, we are victims of ourselves by substance abuse, by, by drug abuse and by overconsumption of food. You know, uh, food is a hell of a... Of a of a stimulant, you know, especially like, um, you know, people don't realize this, you guys know what tryptophan is, but we understand tryptophan is, Oh, it's the, the chemical that Turkey makes you go to sleep. That's actually a misnomer. It's not tryptophan. It helps release serotonin in your brain. That's why people eat so much food. It releases serotonin, makes them happy. Mm. Sugary foods and things like that, high sugar foods, high carb foods. And we're all guilty of it. It's called comforting. The reason why it's called comforting is because it releases serotonin in your brain. The bad kind, the, the bad foods release that, so you got to look for good foods, you know, like salmon. Salmon has tryptophan. Eating salmon is very good for you, right? So, people are so quick to take pills and drink, uh, it does so much damage to their body, uh, and they're creating such an unstable mental environment. Look, guys, this will be the first thing that fucking kills you over anything else in this world, you know. And you guys have heard me talk about it before. People go out and train out in the wilderness, they go out and they Trained for survival so they can make a trap and make shelter and make fire for a percentage of something that probably won't ever happen to them but it's enjoyment they get out of it and they post up their pictures on social media and look like they just walked out of an ll bean catalog you know with their gear and stuff like that but you know the reality is we don't train enough for what we experience in dangers here every day you know the first thing we do in the morning we wake up and we look at our it's our social media, it's just full of trash, and negative and and comments and sarcasm. And and everyone's trying to get their piece of the pie of celebrity status by being the smart witty one, you know, and just saying, just toxic shit. So that pisses you off and you put that down, you get in the shower, you get out, and you're running late, you need to have your coffee. So now that's pissing you off. Then you get in your car, you sit in traffic, you're looking around and she's putting her makeup on. He's reading newspaper and the guy in front of you is doing whatever the fuck he's doing. And he's not, you know, there's three car lengths open. You're like, go, it's pissing you off. You get to, by the time you get to work, you're in such a hostile state of mind. Your brain is is full of hostility. It's unstable. Your mental environment is unstable by the time you get to work. And then you got Karen's and accounting and, and supervisors and self entitlement. You sit in a cubicle and you look at yourself and you go, is this it? You had this realization where you, is this what I do with my wife? I wake up and I sit in traffic for an hour and a half to go to work, to work with people for eight hours a day that I barely can stand. So I can go home at night for a couple hours, drink myself to the end of the bottle and then go to sleep and do it again for five days a week. Just so at the end of the day, at the end of the week, I can sit in my house and do nothing. And Sunday comes around, you're more depressed because now you got to go work tomorrow. You haven't done shit. This is life. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that. You know what I mean? And many Americans experience this. And no wonder why they're taking drugs. No wonder why they're drinking alcohol. Because if this is your routine every day, so you just wake up, go to work, pay bills, and fucking, you know, retire at an age where your dick doesn't work anymore. So you don't get to enjoy life really fully. So you know that that's it. You're old, wrinkly, and, and out of shape and got heart disease and high cholesterol, and that's when you get to enjoy life. Bro. Tap me out, man. Holy hell. So so I think you... To, to, sorry. To,
2: to look at the, the flip side of that, um Brady. Tomorrow morning, we will get up, uh, you know, half five, six o'clock in the morning. We do jiu-jitsu. So we'll simulate murder for an hour. And then we jump in a cold lock. So we get nice and cold. And then we can have our shower. We can have our coffee. And then we can go Yeah. Life's pretty fucking sweet. This is all right.
0: Yes. 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 And that's what people should be doing. People should be getting up early and doing something that makes them feel good. You have so much small control in your life. Your life is run uh, by work, by money, chasing that dollar. It's run by emotions, right? Every little bit of self-control that you can get try and take and that's what you boys do you get up in the morning you go jiu-jitsu, you roll around on the mat you have some control you you practice uh art you practice a martial art you make yourself stronger you improve yourself you have a cup of coffee you do what's vol- called voluntary discomfort stoics love voluntary discomfort They're in an ice bath mm-hmm. the stoics always say hey be poor go go for a day without the things that you need so you experience that understand that so you're not afraid of it you know go cold for a couple hours so when you experience it you don't you don't fear it you have to immerse yourself in the things that you fear so you don't fear it any longer and you guys doing the uh the cold baths voluntary discomfort that is stoic af man that is good shit and you're training you're bettering yourself you know um you're doing that and then you have a cup of coffee you have gained control of your mental environment before you started your work day and oh, i think that's, that's so crazy. valuable
1: yeah, yes, um I, I know we both start sorry Chris, but I know like talking just backtracking very slightly at the start of lockdown when I wasn't training because everything was shut down. You could I could feel it impacting my mental state because I wasn't able to train every weekday. We weren't doing the lock jumping in at that point, but it is true that it makes a massive difference having that control and doing something difficult, like Chris is saying, you do something difficult by 8 a.m. The rest of the day, you're like, Well, it can't get any worse than sitting in two degree temperature water. Do you know what I mean? Like, everything can only go uphill from there. So, everything that might have been the shitty situation feels a little bit better because it's not quite as sucky as that initial I'm going to sit down in two degree temperature water and end up cold for.
2: And also, so, uh, surround yourself with absolute fucking savages helps. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely helps. Yeah. So, you, you, know,
0: you experience, yeah, absolutely. You experience like minded <laughs> people. And, and in Marcus Aurelius, um, you know, said himself in his book, he's like, when you awake in the morning, tell yourself um, that today you will meet jealous people, angry people, surly people, nasty people, right? You're basically setting yourself up and saying, hey, I'm going to meet shitty things throughout the day. And allows you to expect that so the first thing you do in the morning is you put yourself through regimen and exercise a physical challenge of of discomfort so that way whatever happens throughout the day isn't as bad as the morning but at least you had control over what you got to feel bad about they say in stoicism you have there's only two things you can control your emotions and your actions and you starting off with what you boys are doing in the morning is beginning to control your emotions so that way you can control your actions later on everything else in the, the day they say hey look Nothing else is your control. So why be concerned with it? If it's not your concern, why worry about it? Why be upset about it? What's going to happen is going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. So accept it, right? Accept things as they happen. Don't wish for things to happen as you want them to. Wish for them to happen as they do, and you'll be at peace. That's Epictetus. Um, and of course, and, and obviously there's the, the, you know, the, the spiritual aspect of, of things happen according to nature. You know, within Stoicism, they say, you know, what has what's going to happen has been pre-planned from um, uh, from the beginning of time, and it's to accept things. Of course, you can certainly influence, try to influence things, but even if you try to influence it, and it doesn't work out the way you want, it worked out the way it was needed to, in accordance with the nature, in accordance. Hey, this. This happened the way it was supposed to. And I should accept that and love the process of it, just like anything else does, right? When you go into a jujitsu match and, and you lose, you try to influence the outcome, but you didn't experience the outcome uh, that you wanted to. Maybe you lost, maybe you tapped out. Maybe you woke up going, ah, son of a bitch. Was that a rear naked choke? Okay, and okay, fine. But you accept the outcome and you love the outcome and you appreciate the outcome because that outcome made you better. You didn't, you didn't win, okay? That's fine. Winning doesn't make you better. Losing does. Experiencing adversity, experiencing discomfort, makes you better because it teaches you. This I, you know, there's a guy named Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and he wrote a book called "The Gift of Adversity." He's right on Instagram too, and I follow him and I like him a lot. Uh, I mostly like him because he has a badass name. Um, but yeah, it's but, the gift of ad- when you said
2: that, when you said that, Brady, Brady, you said Marcus Aurelius. I'm going as in
0: Caesar. Did, did he really say no. that? <laughs> no, no, no. So there's, there is there is Marcus Aurelius, who was the greatest last of the Roman Empire, who wrote the book, okay. wrote his diary, uh, Meditations. It's and and, um, and it's, a terrific, um, it's a terrific book, actually. Um, and I carry it with me like a, like an Episcopalian carries a Bible around. I carry this with me. Uh, I have okay. notes and folds. Because every page that you find in here, you'll find wisdom. Feeling bad one day, open nice. up and you'll find a piece of wisdom. No matter what page you go in here, you will find wisdom. um But there's a, another guy. There's an actual uh, guy on on Instagram. His name is Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and okay. he had written a book called The Gift of Adversity. um And, and it's truly adversity is a gift. Adversity is a gift that you experience every day because if you're a person who seeks betterment, then you welcome adversity. Then you welcome uh, discomfort. You welcome it because it makes you better. Right In Stoicism, there's the four corner virtues of wisdom, courage, justice, and temperance. And I always tell people, I said, you should strive to go to bed a better man than when you woke up or a better woman than when you woke up. Every breath that you take uh, every day you become a different person, a better person. Who you were today is not who you were a month ago, six weeks ago. People talk about this idea of, of, you know, they pull up things from social media from years ago and they say, you did this. That person isn't who they are. It doesn't matter what political party. I see people pull up, you know, shit that people said that that I disagree with years ago. It's like, that's not the person they are now. Everyone's allowed to change, evolve, adapt, and become better. No one is perfect. And unfortunately our society has forgotten that um but it's not important about what people think about you or say about you even the stoics say it's not your problem what people say about you the only problem that the only person that causes injury is the person that talks negatively about you that's false mark uh, epictetus uh epictetus was a um, was a slave in fact the name epictetus means to have been owned and he was uh, a lame uh he had a messed up leg um and he said, he was very sarcastic, a very smart-ass uh, guy. And he said, uh, when someone tells you that someone has spoken ill of you, rather than make excuses for what is said, reply, they must be ignorant of my other faults, else they mention these ones alone. And basically, what it, it's a smart-ass way of saying, oh, that's what they said? That's it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so... Even in stoicism, and this is where I want to teach social independence from people because our society has become so dependent on being identified with a social category versus just saying, I am who I am and I like who I am and I don't care what people think about me because I value uh, objective morality. I I, I value uh, virtue, being a virtuous person and practicing wisdom. Practice encourage justice and temperance. And I, 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 I place a heavy emphasis on temperance, moderation, moderation, everything, moderation and in, in how you eat, moderation in your politics. You know, people have always asked me, and I was like, are you right or left? You know, I've been accused of both, uh, which I think is fantastic. My liberal friends think I'm conservative, my conservative friends think I'm a liberal. And I like to call myself a radical <laughs> centrist. Mm. a radical centrist because i don't want to be identified as anything i don't want someone to say well because you say this you're that no fuck you Mm. i am who i am i like who i am i don't have to be left or right i don't have to be republican democrat i can be who i want to be based off what i feel is right for me my life my family and my body uh, and all of that you know and so i have views that range on both sides um And I think that's where we should be. I think moderation um, is the highest virtue. And I think, you know, people talk about virtue in terms of politics. I think it's irrational and unvirtuous to identify as one or the other, you know, because if you're so far one way, you can't see the other way. Mm. You know what I mean? If you're too far one way, you can't see this way. And you tend to align yourself with loyalty in that. But where's your loyalty to reason? Where's your loyalty to logic? Where's your loyalty to virtue and honesty and objectivity? And I think we've lost value of that in society these days. People don't value rationality. It's like, I feel this way and you should too. And if you don't, you're a horrible human being. No, fuck that. The way you feel is the way you feel. And that's for you and that's okay for you. But you can't expect me to feel the same way you do and expect your morality to be painted on me when I don't agree with you.
2: Yeah, I mean me and Ali have I've spoke, um you know quite a few times about you know politics and and saying <clears throat> we probably don't have uh, a political party um that would best um fit how we believe because you know as you're saying you have ideas that are like right and left. So, you know, but you know, nowadays you have to be this or you have to be this. You're not allowed to go. Well actually you know, I think we should have a strong military and I think we should have, uh, you know, a strong police force. But, you know, I also think that we should take care of people because these are supposed to be two sides of different, you know, they're different sides of the street. And to in with either one of those groups, you're not really allowed to have those thought processes. So as you're saying, you know, you know, nowadays people would probably say that I was right wing and you're going, okay, I don't, Care about so many things that that's supposed to you know encourage. You know, I'm pro, do whatever you want to do as long as you're not hurt people. Oh, cool, gay marriage, awesome, have fun. You guys are awesome at dancing and you could teach me how to dress, that's amazing, that's fantastic. But I don't think we should just have open border immigration, uh, open border immigration. I think we should let's control it, let's figure out who's coming into the country. Now, to, to some people, that's an insane thought process. But to me, it's like this seems like it's common sense. Do you know what I mean? And and you don't seem to be allowed to think that way. And as you're saying, um, you know, and if I'm if I'm wrong with something, you know, let's talk about it. Don't say no. You're not allowed to talk about it. And and actually, I think that we should we should never allow you to speak again. Well, no, actually, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. Um. Actually, have I, 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 an ex-friend now. Followed me about this because um, and, and it was actually over. Um, it was when Donald Trump was banned from Twitter. And, uh, you know, I was saying, this is very dangerous. Forget about Donald Trump. This is very, very dangerous because this leads to a very, very dark place. And then she just went off in this, like, you know, you must be pro-Trump. Um, and he's a fucking asshole. He's a, he's a he's a he's a he's a literal Nazi, and you're just a terrible person. And then she she blocked me on uh, on Instagram, you know. And, uh, uh, and I you know sent her a a text message just saying, you know, blocking somebody for believing in free speech is the most unintentionally hilarious thing that you've ever done. <laughs> like, that's... It's amazing. You've literally just made yourself look retarded. Like you've made yourself look so stupid now. And she just could not grasp this concept of that you know, it's like you know, pulling down all the statues and and um nobody would, I don't think anybody would think that it would be a good idea to erase Hitler from history. Okay, horrible man, terrible man, did awful things. But you don't erase them from history. You say, "This is why we don't do this because we don't want to kill ten million Jews anymore." Okay, so we learn from this and we have conversations about it. You don't go, "Let's just block him out as if that never happened," because that's stupid. But some people want to do that, and it, it, to me, that just seems, you know, insane. Um, so yeah, I went off on a long tangent there. Sorry,
0: it's <laughs> all so, right. I tend to do the same. I think you know, um, history, history is an interesting thing. You know, and everyone has their their version of history. The problem with history is that everyone sees it differently, right? Mm. Um, in the United States, we have uh, people that want to take down statues and stuff like that, and and you know, I've I am such a history nerd. Um, i I love history i love seeing history and and there's there's all different sides of history and it's important for us to remember history it's important to us look at history with objective eyes not okay you know because there are there are bad people in our history that have monuments and stuff like that that probably shouldn't um you know and everyone has their own idea of why that monument should be there and, and symbolism and stuff like that um you know i think to each their own you know, I mean, they—they they try it. Cancel culture uh, exists now throughout the world, and they—they, they, you know, the mob um, will start trying to cancel all these, all these different things. You know, they try to cancel, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln, um, and certain certain people that were, were 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 on the right side of history. You know, and so even Bill Maher talks about that. Even Bill Maher is like, "We got to relax. What the hell?" um but when it comes to politics it's such it's such an emotional topic it's you know that that you know people have an emotional response and they and they they project morality from an emotional standpoint rather than an objective standpoint uh and people come so emotionally enthralled with their ideas their beliefs uh that they do irrational things we talk about you know I said before is is making decisions on the influence of emotion um i'm not against emotion emotion has its its um its uses right you know love and compassion and empathy those those are useful emotions that we should express when they're when they're appropriate um but you know we 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 logically know we should never make decisions on the influence of drugs and alcohol because the outcome. Be bad, right? And the same way that drugs and alcohol affect and cloud our our judgment is the same way that emotions do. The, do, and so if we're not going to make decisions on the influence of, a, of of drugs and alcohol, while we make decisions under the influence of emotion, we shouldn't. We should value logic. And unfortunately, like I said, when it comes to politics, it's it's people think. Unfortunately, uh, like here in here in America, I, I think people on the left think with too much emotion, and people on the right think with too much religion. And the objective morality, objective virtue that I think people want um, is somewhere in the middle. But because they are so scared of stepping away from the crowd, um, they won't even if they disagree. And that's what happens a lot. And you see it when someone steps away from the left or someone steps away from the right, they're immediately shunned. They're, they are uh, attacked, they're canceled, they are doxxed. Uh, and these are despicable practices, you know. And because people feel that you no longer align with the morals, they feel like they have license to treat you ill. Um, they become the people that they they hate. Um, and so, unfortunately, people are scared now. People are scared to want to come to the middle. People are scared uh, to let go of of their biases, their cultural biases. And, racial biases, religious biases, political biases, because if they feel they step away from the group that they're accepted in, that they will be shunned and they're scared. They're scared for their own survival. Um, and I, you know that you know what that goes back to is it goes back to the days it's trouble behavior. Trouble behavior because back in the day when you were shunned from the tribe, it meant your your exile, meant your death, certain death because you could no longer provide for yourself. If you were, you know, specialized in a job within that society. You know, and we go back be- before even, um, you know, go back to, to early hominids when we existed alongside uh, Neanderthals. We had our own little tribes, our own little groups. And if you didn't, you know, concede to the group thought, you were exiled <laughs> and you would die. Okay. Yeah. And that instinct carries with us. We're scared to leave the group. We're scared to leave the tribe. We're scared to be independent. It's easier now to be independent. We're just scared because we think if we leave the group, it will mean certain death. My instinct still carries with us. And people need to realize it's like, you'll survive on your own just fine. When you're shunned, when you're excommunicated, that's a good thing. It's fine. You'll be fine. You'll survive. You have to start with loving yourself first. And that's the problem with our society is I think we all have lacked confidence in love in ourselves. I know it sounds the hippie version of, of, you know, the the drum beating stuff like that, but we really have. Once the last time someone looked at themselves in the mirror and said, I like who I am. I like my opinions. I like the way I look. I like the way I feel. And if someone doesn't agree with me, it's okay if they don't agree with me. And it's okay if I don't agree with them. When I was born, I did not sign a contract saying everyone had to fucking like me. And I didn't sign a contract saying I had to fucking like every single person. So why the fuck are we as human beings so concerned with the way people think about us? We shouldn't be. We are. Marcus Aurelius says, it's funny, we're so concerned No one loves ourselves more than anybody else, but we're concerned with other opinions of other people than our own. Why? You know, and and look, we don't wanna stretch so far into, you know, narcissism and, and sociopathy where your opinion is the best opinion on earth. No, we should be open to the idea that we are wrong, right? But we should still love ourselves enough to be able to say, it's okay if I step away from this crowd. It's okay if they shun me because I like who I am. Be content in the presence of yourself. When you are content in the presence of yourself, you are unfuck with them all. People can't fuck with you. That is the ultimate empowerment. I got a daughter and I want my daughter to love herself and and be so independent that when she decides to date a guy, she dates a guy, not because she feels she needs that guy, but because she wants to be with him. And as soon as, as soon as he starts dealing bullshit at her, she goes, Oh, fuck you, dude. I don't need you. I like who I am. You're full of shit. And I don't want nothing to do with you. I want her to have that independence, that empowerment uh, as a woman to step away. You know, and that's women these days. I try and tell women these days, like, look, love yourself first you don't need a man. No, when feminists out there say, I don't need a man, you're right, you don't need a man. You don't need a man. You need to love yourself first, be domestically independent, uh, self-reliant on yourself. You know, Men and women need to love themselves first before they start getting in relationships. Men and women need to love themselves first because they're committing to these different groups and ideologies and things like that. The moment you start loving yourself more and questioning everything that you know that you think is true and start asking yourself, why do I believe what I believe? Is it wrong? Is it right? What is it? Question yourself, love yourself and be confident enough to say, you know what, I like the way I think. I like the way I am. I'm open to criticism. There's nothing wrong with criticism but be confident in yourself first. And the more confident you are, the more independent you're going to be. And the less fearful of stepping away from the mob, the mob, the group thing, the mob has no brain. It's just a bunch of people together. There is no logic. There is nothing in the mob that makes any sense. And the moment people start separating themselves from the mob one by one, is the moment the mob starts separating and people start thinking independently, start thinking logically and rationally but you gotta love yourself first. You gotta be confident in yourself first. You gotta wake up in the morning, look at yourself and like yourself who you are. And the more that you like yourself, the less you're gonna tolerate people's shit throughout the day, the more happy you're gonna be, and the more at peace you're gonna be because you don't give a fuck about what people think about you. Mm-hmm. The only people that I think you that should give a fuck about you are the people that you go to bed with every single night, the person you wake up to every morning, whether it's yourself, your spouse, your partner, um, you know the only person whose opinion I give a fuck about is my daughter. I want her to think well of me. So I, 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 I work as a man. I provide, Uh, I want my wife to think good of me, you know? And of course my employer, right? Otherwise, you know, they fire you. So you want your employer to like you, but even then there's a certain boundary where you're not going to let them run over you. You're not going to let them treat you like shit because you've got to love yourself and dignity and say, you know what? I'll make it work. I, I will make it work somewhere else, but I don't need to take this bullshit from you guys. Does that make sense? Mm. And so Really, it comes down to with when it comes to mental resilience, social independence um, and, and self-reliance. It comes down to you loving yourself and being confident with yourself every single day that you wake up and finding peace with yourself. You find peace with yourself, you'll find peace with everybody else.
2: That's a, a fantastic little bit of a philosophy. I like it. Um, I... You know, I wake up. I, I'm I'm in a, a strange situation compared to most people. So I, I live alone. I wake up. Uh, I wake up alone every day, and I um I work for myself. So I've run a business. So I'm also the boss. So, but I think I'm pretty cool. So, I wake up in the morning and I've either um strangled Ali or deadlifted heavy or you know been swimming or been on the bike. So, um, on odd occasion I'll I'll go watch sunrise and um. Just hang out at the beach or whatever, and um, that. I'm probably the, that. I'm probably the happiest person most people know. So, um,
0: guess there's a, there's something to it. There is, brother. You know, you're content with yourself. You, you know, if you find a woman or a man, if that's your choice, you know, you say, okay, I love myself enough that if I, if I choose to be with someone, that's the biggest thing. Is you get to choose to be with someone, not because mm-hmm. you need. Need and want are, are two completely different things. I talk about that in the gray man. As a gray man, you have to be able to be confident and at peace with yourself to be able to engage and disengage with people you want to. You know, um, you know so many women suffer, you know, from, from, from narcissism from males, they, that there's insecurity there. And people who have insecurities get strong like puppets, man or woman. And the moment you identify your insecurities um, and attack those, And make strengths out of them you're gonna find a lot of peace and brother you know you waking up every day getting to do what you want to it's a rarity enjoy it Mm -hmm. and 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 feel that love for yourself every single day that's amazing that's awesome
2: and um you know i'd also like to say when you're talking about different people and um race religion you know political beliefs this is why um uh, jiu-jitsu is so amazing because it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a Muslim or you're white or black or you're Chinese or you believe in the Earth's flat or you believe in what you want to take LSD, I will heeluke the fuck out all of them. <laughs> it does not matter to me which color they are, what they believe in. Um you bring them all together and everybody can have fun and roll. And um that's the beauty of, of the, the sports side of it, I guess. Um, uh, that's something that I, I like with Jiu-Jitsu is everybody can get together and, you know, try and kill each other. And then afterwards, have a little uh, chat and sit on the mats and, and have some conversations and, and you know, have some different ideas. It's a beautiful thing. Jiu-Jitsu is the best sport for that.
0: I absolutely love that. I haven't got to get much into Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, I've always liked a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think it's great. Um, <laughs> I think a lot more police officers would do better by practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. There'd be a lot, mm-hmm. lot less use of force problems. Um, but what I love about mixed martial arts, even watching UFC, is you got guys, friends, lifelong friends, get in the ring, and they're going to commit violence against each other. But there's no hate. It's just it's it's art. It's it's a strategy. You know, it's respect. They go in and they give each other hugs. Even you watch McGregor, who is the biggest shit talker. But if he loses a fight or he ends a fight, he'll still give – he'll spend months just, just saying the nastiest, heavy-handed shit he can. But at the end of the fight, he still comes and gives him a hug, you know, whether he wins or loses. He shows – and when he loses, he shows, you know, respect. He's like, ah oh, man, I got my ass kicked. He did great. You know, I, I didn't train enough. And, you know, so in MMA, I love that there's still – Respect. Of course, you have your falling out and stuff like that. You got your guys that yeah. hate each other or whatever. But uh in the reality, you know, jujitsu, you guys commit violence against each other, you know, and you start causing an hate and discontent because you want to better yourself, not because you want to injure the guy, because you want to better yourself. You you like the art, you like the practice. And the cool thing is, is while you're in the middle of it, you're tied up, you're still thinking about what you're going to do next. And mm-hmm. you get to use that cognitive function, you get to be in the moment, you know, you're not just blindly grabbing arms, moving and rolling. You're like, well, oh, if I grab this. He's going to wrap his leg or hook me. You know. You're using your cognitive function, using your cerebral cortex, your rational brain, uh, and a bit of your instinct, too. Because when you feel something, you're like, oh, I'm going to roll this way.
2: And actually, as you were saying, sometimes it goes back to that instinct thing where, you know, something that grabs, uh, you know, somebody under hooks or grabs the wrist of whatever you're saying. Your instinct is to go, oh, I need to get out of this. Maybe you roll, maybe you turn, maybe you frame, you know, whichever one it is. So it, it goes back to what, what you were talking about earlier, where. You know, like you're saying, you're driving to work, and you're kind of daydreaming, and you and your you, your body just kind of takes you there. It's the same thing. It's yes. the same thing with jiu jitsu. Um, you know, it's the same idea. Somebody yeah. grabs something. You know, somebody does this. Somebody does this. You know, the first thing you think about is before your brain can actually even make that decision, your body is already going. Oh no, we need to go here. We need to. It's amazing. Yeah. Really
0: amazing. And that's, and it's, that's where that uh, procedural memory, implicit memory comes from where you practice something so much becomes uh, second nature. When We teach firearms, you know, people pick up a firearm for the first time is, is, you know, the idea of grip stance, trigger control becomes at that point, the most important thing to them at that point, after a couple of sessions, they're just, they're there. And now they're pointing at the target, you know? And so it's each step and practice. And the more that you do it, the more instinctual it becomes like driving a car, riding a bike, yeah. you know? That's mm-hmm. the interesting about riding a bike, you know, they, they talk about, Hey, it's just like riding a bike. Well, it's because you practice it so much it becomes second nature to where he- it, and that's what I think is cool about martial arts and jujitsu, where you practice something so much, you need to practice the same move and same technique over and over and over and over again until it becomes second nature. And then when it does, it's just beautiful, magical thing where you do feel somebody and you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm rolling this way and crushing, you, you know, so okay. I, I think it's wonderful. And it's a great, 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 uh, great point.
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah. I had it on on Thursday night. We were rolling with a lot of young guys. We Our gyms kind of split between like myself and Chris train just Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but it's technically an MMA gym. So we have a lot of young guys that also train MMA. And two of them independently said on Thursday night, you're actually really calm when you roll. And it's really weird because they're all kind of in 19, 20, 20, when I'm 40, nearly 44 now, so I'm kind of older. But they're all kind of gung-ho and ah, everything's aggression in 100 miles an hour. But they're thinking the whole time. They're in that kind of, what do I do next? Where am I going? Whereas because me and Chris have trained for four or five years, as you're saying, it's sinking in that I can be a little bit calmer because I, I know whatever you're going to do, I've seen it a million times before, from Chris that's better than the guys I'm rolling with and it just slows everything down as well so along with that procedural memory being the quick and instinctive it also allows everything to slow down I feel everything slows down so that you're not in that panic state all the time and you can kind of bridge the gap between the instant oh my god I need to do this but also have the little bit of logic that goes I need to do this because that allows me to do that as opposed to just young guys are just like, grab, there's a hand, grab that hand. And then you can set up traps, so you open your arm up knowing they're gonna stick their arm in, which allow you to trap the arm and then you arm bar them. And and they're just, they're they're reacting purely on instinct, whereas, you know, myself and Chris are at the point where we can kind of go, I'm okay here, I know you can't do anything, so I'm just gonna kind of keep my my chin tucked in and wait for you to make a mistake, <clears throat> because you're, good, you're just firing out limbs hoping that something sticks, whereas is really at the other end of that, that we can bridge that gap.
0: Yeah, that's, that's where experience comes in so handy, is experience makes people so much more calm, and so much more relaxed, and so much more effective in what they do. Um, it's, it's interesting to see what experience does towards a person, and people talk about, you know, because someone's been alive for so long, they don't have enough experience, and and all that, but really experience uh, in anything you do and and, and continuous experience and, and uh, repetitive experience makes a person more confident uh, and more skilled in themselves, which in turn makes them happier, makes them more at peace, makes them be able to be in control of their emotions and be in control of your actions. And like you're saying, you're calm because you control your emotions. You control your emotions because you know exactly what you're doing from experience. And that allows you to control your next actions.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, now, Brady, we are, uh, what, like a, an hour and uh, I don't know, 10, nearly 15 in. Um, I feel that we have a million things still to discuss. Um, I know that Ali has had a very, Ali does, um, he's a, a, a He's been on Zoom calls all day. Absolutely, he is, enjoys being a trainer and talking to people too. He's, uh, he's beaten up. He's he's <laughs>
0: very tired. So fair enough. I'm down for a th- part two.
2: I think uh, that's probably enough for uh, for Ali's brain for today. He's uh, he's he's had a long day on uh, on team calls. Um, fair enough. But yeah, I think there's there's definitely another longer or episode. Or there's a episodes. million things I've got. Um, I've got a very slight cold, so my voice is a little croaky. Um but I think there's a, a million there's a million things I would like to go back on and, and really go into it. Um when we're a little fresher and a little a little more with it. Um so yeah, if you have got up for that, we could certainly do certainly do a second episode and, and really get into the, the the bones and uh and uh yeah. really some of these things. And and, I more- and-
0: I was going to say, I had a great time with you guys, man. It's, time flies when you're having fun and having a great it conversation. Really does, so yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm definitely looking forward to a part two. Um, you guys are amazing to talk to. It's always good to talk with like-minded folks and folks who are interested in, in, in the more frugal aspect, you know. In my community, everyone's about being a super cool underwater ninja scuba sniper Jedi uh, operator with a multi-cam and, and cool fancy guns. But really, did everyone want to talk about the workings of the mind and its application to make you a more um uh lethal person um so thank you guys for the opportunity to uh talk a little bit and 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 run run my mouth no it's, it's been um, fun it's, it's oh,
2: been... i'd like to get into some more stuff about the mind next time there's a, there's a lot of things there that um yeah i'd really like to get into but um definitely yeah we'll we'll sort something out when we're a little uh, I'm i'm a little less um croaky my voice is isn't great and Ali's not tired there's a lot of things there that are very interesting and I'd like to dig into so yeah we'll 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 get another one um scheduled definitely we'll get a couple scheduled and um we also have uh uh we'll figure out the times because right now so have you guys just went have your clocks just changed for daylight savings
0: yeah, some crazy stupid thing that we do every once in a while for whatever dumb reason I can't explain we changed times, so but I'll, I'll figure it out. We do
1: it as well but there's, there's a weird disconnect between when Britain does it and when America does it so last year we went early, we changed it this time when you guys held off for another two weeks. Whereas this year, for some reason, you've gone this weekend and we don't do it for another two weekends. So trying to make make it all sync up was getting difficult at one point. And the only reason I know it is thanks to the wonder of Instagram. People were sharing memes of what do you mean you've stolen an hour off of us kind of thing. And I was like, ah, shit, America's gone early at the daylight savings. So we managed to work out. Just because we have been chatting and obviously mentioned a few times um, and for anyone that's listening in, where can we send people to find out more about you and the work that you're doing in preparation for when we come back in for a second and third episode, anything you want to shout out, we can add into the notes and tag it in the release.
0: Yeah, just uh, my Instagram. Um, you know, uh, Gray Man Project. There's a couple other fake accounts, so make sure it's the right one. It's uh, you know, gray dot Gray is how you English boys spell it. G R A Y. Um, sorry. I mean, oh man. Oh, you can roast me for that one. You Scottish boys. Say, spell it, you yeah. know.
1: I, that's that's part two just been canceled. Now, as he's it's off the board. Oh, there, those, uh, I'm those, so those, sorry. Those uh, those Canadians always say the most always get it
0: wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I deserve <laughs> that. Please accept my apologies. But, um, but you can find me at, at gray man project, um, you know, um, just on Instagram, and I've been shadow banned like a mofo actually. Uh these days, uh, it's been crazy with Facebook and Instagram these days. They're starting to pull up um things from years ago to are like we disagree with this, so we're just gonna punish you for something three years ago. It's like wow. Um, so they've shadow banned the hell out of me. But I got some new projects coming up. Um uh where we're gonna actually doing some more training. In the training, I'm writing a book, I'm about thirty thousand uh words into a book um uh, called The Harshest Environment You'll Ever endure a Survival Guide for Your Mind um and so i've been punching away at that and then uh trying to do coaching and mentoring and speaking um um, you know here so we
2: will will, uh we will require a signed copy of that book when it's uh when it's done well i won't buy one but yeah i think uh, we have a small collection now of um of signed books uh from previous guests so um that would be that would be super cool when that when that's done when that's out yeah we'll, we'll We'll, uh, we'll buy a couple and if you could sign them that would be amazing so
0: uh um, ah, be great
2: lots of exciting things coming up so um lots to talk about next episode um
1: yeah we'll get it started. but yeah
2: thank you very much for your time it was interesting and uh still more to to dig into
1: definitely well let's call this episode 79 episode with brady Pasola from Greyman project let's call it done and dusted. thanks very much brady
0: cheers boys The Silly Goose Gang Podcast